Hi, I'm Shelley Cameron, CEO of the City of Philadelphia's Division of Aviation, and this is our podcast, Taking Off. Today, we have a special episode focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion, specifically how the airport strives to create an environment that both supports and encourages diversity in the workplace and in our public spaces. We had originally planned this episode to mark the first anniversary of the killing of George Floyd, which sparked an outcry across the country against police violence against the black and brown community. With the jury delivering a guilty verdict in the trial of police officer Derek Chauvin on all three counts, I immediately requested that we move up this episode as the nation continues to heal and learn. Joining me now is Jonathan Todd, PHL's Director of Workforce Development. By the way, saying that he's the Director of Workforce Development really doesn't capture all of the different things that he's stepped up to do recently, all the special projects and work in the last year. I really appreciate you being here, especially during this very emotional week. Thank you, Shelley. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Let's back up to when you were first hired at the airport and we kind of stole you from the Commerce Department and brought you in to really redevelop our workforce development efforts. Can you talk about that first before we dive into some of the current things that you're doing? Absolutely. It was about a a little bit over a year and a half ago, although it seems like much longer given what 2020 was for all of us. But when I joined the airport in the summer of 2019, I was tasked to implement really comprehensive workforce development strategy that not only supports incumbent DOA employees through upskilling and opportunities for promotion, but also creating career pathways for external job seekers while also raising awareness about employment opportunities here at PHL. Yeah, and you know that was really important work as we were looking at our workforce and what everybody affectionately refers to as the silver tsunami. We knew that we really needed to do things a little bit differently to make sure that we had the right talent. And we were so excited to have you join and get started on that work and then COVID hit, right? Indeed it did. We were on the cusp of some really exciting initiatives. And actually, I was recalling with a friend the other day on late February, we did a really exciting tour with several schools where we did not only engage them on PHL 101, but also gave them a tour of the airfield and took them up to the ramp tower. And the energy was palpable. And fast forward a couple of days and the whole world comes to a halt, including everything here at PHO. That's right. And when COVID hit, it just felt like we were slammed into a brick wall. We had just had an amazing year with passengers. We were bringing in some great talent like you to advance things that we've been talking about for years. And then here, all of a sudden, we were just kind of trying to deal with the day-to-day and the moment. And then fast forward a couple months, Memorial Day weekend, everything changed, but in a whole nother way. The murder of George Floyd and the civil unrest that happened afterwards caused us to take a look at everything in our organization and how we talked about things and just really flipped things on their head and made us think a little bit differently. Can you talk about what that was like for you and some of the things that you stepped in to do to help us talk to the rest of the organization? What we experienced Memorial Day weekend was the tipping point of a year of incidents involving Black men and women and police officers. 
So not only George Floyd, but also Ahmaud Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, Elijah McClain, and many others. And so following the local and national civil unrest, there was no way to ignore what was happening in our lives. And that included in the workplace. And so conversations began almost immediately on not only how to address it, but a course of action and steps that needed to be taken. And Jonathan, it was even more basic than that. You and I talked about how do we even talk about it? It was everywhere. And it was something that we had to address. And it not only takes acknowledgement and recognition, but also honesty and vulnerability from leadership as well as each other as colleagues, because it affects everyone in a unique way. And there needs to be a sensitivity to that while also being sure to make it clear that we're going to take steps necessary to not only address this, but to implement efforts to advance equity and social justice, racial equality. I know that you and I had conversations along with our now former Chief Administrative Officer Soledad Alfaro, our Deputy Director of Human Resources, Delisha Wilds, and many others on concrete steps that could be taken. And Shelly, I have to uh, give you kudos as well. Whether it was initiating the conversation or being 100% supportive of what we recommended to do in the following days and weeks and months, it really is important to have that sort of buy-in and commitment from leadership. And so I did want to you know, take this opportunity to thank you for that because it empowered us to move forward in a very purposeful and meaningful way. I appreciate that from the bottom of my heart because this is something that has been really difficult for me as well. But I'm going to flip that back around to you and Soledad and Delisha and Deatrice and Abby and Sheila and all of the other folks that I had individual conversations with because in the middle of the pain and horror of watching some of the things that were happening, you all stopped and had a conversation with me. You all stopped. And when I said, oh my God, help me get better. Help me understand more. You all did that. Like I said, from the bottom of my heart, I will always be grateful because yeah, of course I supported this stuff, but in a lot of ways, what you did I just will always appreciate. So I know some of the very solid things that you did in the organization, you and the team did were starting an advisory committee, doing survey data. Can you talk about some of those steps and things that you initiated that are really starting to make a difference here? June 2020 was certainly a whirlwind from not only your message that went out at the beginning of June acknowledging and recognizing what we were experiencing as an organization, as a city, and as a country, but also starting to take steps to figure out what we can do to make an impact to, by the end of June, throughout these other conversations that occurred, was the creation of the Racial Equity Advisory Council to really drive meaningful change and long-lasting impact throughout the airport community. We created this council, which one of the things I really appreciate about it the most is its diverse representation not only by race, but gender, background, experience, job title, work portfolio. I mean, the list really goes on. All of these ways where we're bringing our own unique perspectives, ideas, and strategies to the table. We really hit the ground running after our first Racial Equity Advisory Council meeting. We hosted a series of virtual town hall discussions on racial and social justice. And the goal was to provide a space where a dialogue could begin about racial and social injustice and how to strengthen diversity and a culture of belonging throughout the airport. 
We also created a racial equity hotline number and email address for employees to share their thoughts, their questions, comments, and concerns related to our efforts. And we also created a survey really just to ask some basic foundational questions about our DOA colleagues' familiarity with racial equity, their appetite for racial equity here at the airport, how important they think it is to be a part of DOA's foundation and DNA, really. And all of these efforts to connect with our employees and get information that will be helpful for our work was very illuminating, I have to say. I think that the town halls were very impactful and a very important step, but the survey really hit home to let us know where our folks were coming from. I mean, it was uncomfortable at times. It was heartbreaking at times to hear the feedback about how some of our family members, our team members felt. You had folks that were saying that they felt that this effort was long overdue. Others had some sense of neutrality. And then you had folks that deemed a focus on racial equity inappropriate, not applicable to the workplace, had no place in conversations uh, from nine to five. And I really think that's a bit of a microcosm of our nation and really reflective of what you see across the board. And is that some people really think that this is important and others think that it has no place in conversation. I found that to be extremely helpful because it let us know that education and awareness is a crucial component of this work. And while we may not necessarily change everyone's heart, we do need to let them know why there are so many important reasons for this work to move forward and to have a focus and priority put on it. And I think one of the the important things to me, I know we talked about it. So you and Delisha and Soledad ended up being kind of the senior advisors of the REAC, of the Racial Equity Advisory Committee. And I know we talked a lot about how we need to lead with our values. I mean, right? People first is the leading value we have at PHL. That means all people, not just some people. And understanding how everyone was feeling and what they were processing was a really important piece of this. I will never forget the day that you and some others briefed me on the survey results and some of the comments. I mean, reading the the comments just raw, you know, as they came in, like I said, was heartbreaking in a way that we maybe weren't doing as well as we should have in terms of people first. And I I agree with you, Shelley, that the results were rather jarring, but also not necessarily surprising to to have your assumptions and to think things may be a certain way, but to see it, to your point, on paper, documented anonymously, of course, but documented nonetheless, really kind of hits home what suspicions or guests or perceptions might actually, uh, in fact, be truths. That was a, a very significant moment in this journey and really helped inform Again, the work that needed to be done on our end. And it was also important to let our senior leadership know about the thoughts and perspectives of our colleagues. Yeah. So talk about the work that we did with the senior leadership team, because, you know, it was one thing to get survey results and hold town halls with with all levels um, of of folks within the organization. It was a whole nother thing to tackle um, everyone on the senior leadership team. And because it, it... you know, they're here to do a job, they're here to lead. And if you could talk a little bit about that, I I would appreciate it. In late October, we held a two-part discussion titled Better Together, Race, Equity, and Inclusion at PHL. And it was a two-part discussion with chiefs and deputies that focused on awareness, acknowledgement, accountability, and action. 
And so the first day was really focused on a review of important terms and historical context, as well as, as you mentioned, a review of the feedback from the survey that really spoke to somewhat of a divide around this topic of racial equity that's, as I mentioned, mirrors this national sentiment. But one thing that I'll note that I think really drove home the impact is that we had participants from the discussion read the comments provided from the survey. And so it's one thing to see it, but when you're reading it out loud from your own voice, that really is an extra level of reality. And so that was a bit of a heavy moment too. And as we led into the second day, we gave homework out, which was, you know, now you know what has been shared, you know what the precedent is for this work. And now we need to figure out how we can be accountable as leaders for advancing racial equity. And so we spent the second day sharing out specific ways in which we can be held accountable within our portfolio to help advance racial equity. And not only to advance it, but ways in which we can be held accountable for those commitments. And so I thought that that was a very powerful moment too, because as you mentioned at the beginning, leadership starts at the top. And to get that sort of buy-in is a very important step, but also to take that next step by committing to specific ways in which you can be a part of the solution, I think is a major part of what we're looking to accomplish. And so I thought that that was a very important part of this journey was to kind of bring our senior leadership up to speed and make sure that we're all on the same page in unison as we move forward with these efforts. That second day was especially powerful. It's one thing to kind of go through the educational training, the recitation of things. And it was a powerful moment to have the feedback read to us, but then to come back in and say, this is what I commit to do. And here's how you can hold me accountable. And to do that together as a team was really great. And the actions were really diverse in what everybody committed to do. I mean, I'll share, you probably remember, but my action was, every week to stop and write in a diary, if you will, or just a notebook of what I did that week to make sure that I was continuing to keep this at the forefront in the organization. And I've kept up with that, you know, and and some weeks it was as simple as a conversation with someone. I heard something, it didn't sound right. Hey, let's talk about this. Do you understand how this was perceived? to more substantive things than talking about our procurement process. So yeah, it was a really good way to come together as a team and address it. So Jonathan, I want to go back a minute to June because there was one other thing that kind of bubbled up through everything, all of the things that were happening after Memorial Day. And we had a special request from one of our custodians. Can you talk about that? I most certainly can, Shelley. So Roland Arrington, who is one of our custodial staff members at DOA, reached out saying if it would be possible to hold three moments of solidarity for Black Lives Matter, as well as Juneteenth and and recognition of uh, the killing of George Floyd as, as well. And so we thought the idea was wonderful, timely, important, and supported his efforts to make sure that they were executed in a very impactful way, but also in a a safe way, because under all of this is the COVID pandemic and knowing that, uh, you know, we needed to be thoughtful about how that was presented. But that being said, we had a morning session, an afternoon session, and an evening session where employees, not only of DOA, but also partners throughout the airport joined in unison and kneeled for the eight plus minutes that George Floyd 
that had a knee against his neck. And I have to tell you, Shelly, that was a very emotional experience to be in solidarity with our colleagues, but also just to feel that connection to George Floyd and what he must have been feeling, you know, just sitting there and it was quiet. It was an opportunity for reflection. It was something else, you know, it, it, it was one of those moments where you kind of step away, you take a step back and just reflect on George's last few moments. I really tip my hat to Roland for bringing that opportunity to us and, and being the architect behind it. And we're looking forward to doing something similar moving forward on an annual basis to recognize at the very least Juneteenth, but also some of the other things that have led up to that moment in the past year. One of the things that I loved about that event was it was Roland's event. Indeed it was. It, it was my event, wasn't your event. It was Roland's event. And we all just came and supported him. That's really what it's all about. So Jonathan, I know this work has taken a lot of extra time and has been emotionally draining and everything. And I just want to thank you so much for everything you've done. What has this work personally meant to you? It's meant a lot to me, Shelley. I've shared with you in a prior conversation that I think that everything happens for a reason. During my time with Commerce, I was part of a program called Racial Equity Here, which was a five-city effort to advance equity in government. And so for uh, the span of over two years, I was deeply entrenched in that work. And it brought me tremendous personal fulfillment, but also the opportunity to drive impact in the world that we work in, which is government, as well as aviation, of course, but certainly in, um, under the government umbrella. And while the work continued, my participation in it slowed down a bit uh, once I joined DOA. The reasons for this topic coming back to the forefront, I'm not happy with the reasons why it became such a, an important issue, but I think that it happened for a reason. And so to give us the opportunity to really drive impact and to make a tremendous difference in our colleagues' work lives, personal lives, as well as the surrounding community that we work and engage with. And it brings me a tremendous sense of pride and just, I think it's helped me evolve as a person. It's helped me appreciate things in a much different light. And I can't, I can't really overstate the impact that it's had for me personally, professionally as well. You said it. Everything happens for a reason, right? Having you here with that experience was just what we needed. So Jonathan, we talked about a lot of the things that we did as an organization to address racial equity. And one of the most important things I want to call out is that we set up these listening sessions, a place for the community to come together and heal and talk about what's happened. And it's not just the airport, but the city did a similar thing this week. Can you talk about that a little bit? So following the uh, police-involved killing of Walter Wallace Jr. last fall, DOA hosted a safe space for community healing where employees had the opportunity just to process, have that cathartic release, just really share in whatever feelings that they were having with um, their DOA family members. And there was a tremendous sense of value, speaking for myself, from having that space and just an opportunity to work through the grief and frustration and all of the different emotions related to what we saw. And I took tremendous value from that resource being offered to our employees. And I believe those that attended felt that similar value. And so fast forward to Wednesday, where a similar space was hosted by the Department of Behavior, Health, and Intellectual Disability Services 
for all city employees with a similar goal, a space to process, to work through emotions, knowing that the trial of Derek Chauvin really reopened the wound that never really healed for any of us from the killing of George Floyd and that emotions were running high in addition to everything else that's been happening around the country regarding gun violence in Philadelphia and nationwide, hate and violence against those in the Asian American community, as well as unfortunately all the other things, the ills our society is facing. And so it was an opportunity to work through those emotions and fresh off of the verdict, we had a discussion about how people were feeling. And I think that there was a sense of relief with the guilty verdict, but also maintaining a sense of frustration and anger and weariness, knowing how much work still lays ahead of us to realize this goal of equity, but also what's next for society. The ink hadn't really dried on the Chauvin verdict when there was news of another police-involved killing in Ohio. And so, you know, it's kind of that reoccurring theme that unfortunately keeps popping up that we need to address and we need to work through. And so, you know, the conversation was certainly one where we express relief in the result, but uh, know that there's a lot more work to do and started to have a, a conversation about what steps need to be taken and how we can do that as a collective society. I really value that opportunity to be in that space yesterday and look forward to other opportunities to join those conversations in the future. Other conversations you and I have had is that You need to find little connections with people. How do you understand where people are coming from and what they're all about? And how do you find ways that we're the same, even when we're different? And you and I found a human connection right up front that surprised the heck out of me. I grew up in a really small town in southwestern Pennsylvania, Ligonier, and there's an even smaller town called Lachlan Town, and they have this place called the Pie Shop. And when you started talking to me about going to visit your grandma, who was in Pittsburgh, and then your aunt, who was in Ligonier, blew me away. I really had never met anybody who knew where Ligonier was. And we, you know, crazy, right? But we bonded over orange cookies. That we did. It's such a small world, Shelly. And that's another one of those conversations that I'll never forget. I wasn't at the airport long and we were just having a casual chat, getting to know each other better. And I can't even necessarily remember how we got to the conclusion of our Ligonier connectivity. but before, I don't remember either. <laughs> we're talking about specific side streets and, you know, the best time to go up there and Lynn Run and all these different fun. And I think, and I think I said, oh my God. And every time I, I, I remember telling you this, every time I, I drive through Southwestern Pennsylvania, I always get off the turnpike and go up because I want to visit the pie shop. And you yes. went, oh my God, I know that place. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So yeah, that was such a cool connection for us to make. And it's, it's one that I really cherish. I think the point is, is that if you search hard enough, there's always something that you can connect with everybody on. And I think that that's an important piece of our work too. It's recognizing and appreciating our differences, but it's also realizing that we're very much the same in a lot of ways too. And there's always something that we can find in common. Amen. Jonathan, thank you. I know these conversations are hard. I know that sometimes dredging up some of the things over the past year can be really tough. And I appreciate you. You used the word vulnerability earlier, allowing yourself to be vulnerable and open to this conversation. I think that the more we talk about it, the better we're all going to become. 
from the bottom of my heart, thank you for all the work that you've done to make the airport a better place and to help make me a better person. Thank you so much, Shelly. It was my pleasure joining you. And I'm really happy that these sorts of conversations are being elevated. And I look forward to continue having them in other mediums and making sure that the work that we're undertaking, the long-term result is that it's embedded in DOA's DNA and uh, we'll be a better organization for it. Make it forever. We're going to make it forever. That's right. So Jonathan, again, thanks for your dedication to everything that's happening at the airport. And to those who have tuned in, thank you so much for joining us today. For those of you who would like to learn more or want to reach out and make comments to us or ask questions, please send an email to racialequity at phl.org. I'm Shelly Cameron. Thank you for listening.